Hello and welcome to the Gaming Manifesto, the official podcast of commiegamer.com. My name's Callie and I'm your host. With me today I have Bandit. Hello. And Riku. Hello. So let's kick things off. Bandit, what have you been playing this week? I have been playing the the Sexy Brutal, it's called. Uh, I picked it up in the Steam Summer Sale, which is my favourite time of the year. For Christmas, Steam Summer Sale, right? <laughs> Every um, year. So I picked it up, and it's an isometric puzzle game about murder and stopping murder. But you have to go back in time to stop it. So Okay, that's you... way more than I was expecting. Go on. Yeah, so the, so the premise of the game is that, like, the aesthetic is all kind of masquerade ball meets Las Vegas, and it looks really stylized, and the appearance is amazing. And you play as this, um, he's like he's like a priest, and he's got a mask burned onto him by uh, someone called the Bloody Girl, and everyone okay. who you have to save is wearing a mask, and you have to, like, the idea is you're in a certain location of this mansion. And before a party starts, the party is called the Sexy Brutal, um, all of the guests are going to be murdered. And you have to, the idea is that you go and see what happens, explore the section where they, where they are, see the murder, go back in time, realize how to stop it and do a different part. But like you have an infinite time loop anywhere. So it's, it doesn't matter too much if you mess up because you need to start again. So is this done in like um, cycles, sort of like in that returnal way? So yeah. when you die, or when you you know go use your time loop, you go all the way back to the beginning, or yeah. So what happens is it starts from twelve o'clock on the Saturday, so like noon on Saturday. Then you have until midnight, and then it'll reset itself. Or you can use this stop this uh, pocket watch that you get given, and you can reset whenever. But then there's grandfather clocks which let you advance time to 4 or to 8, because certain events happen at those times, depending on who you're serving. When you told me you were playing a game called Sexy Brunel, while I was sure it wasn't just going to be you talking about one of those, you know, no. you know games, <laughs> like, I was not expecting it to be a time tra- travel murder mystery. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, at the, all. The, that the sounds sexy, way complex. The, the Sexy Brutal. It was... I enjoyed what I could play, but then there's so much input like that it makes the game impossible. So as in, like, trying to move in a direction doesn't move in that direction for a while. Well, the thing is, right, um, around five seconds, our time is half an hour in the game, and there are certain tasks where you have to do it in an extremely small amount of time. So, like, it's, like, a minute maybe, real-world time, but it's, like, two and a half hours that you have to do it, and when it's, when you're trying to go through a door and the guy won't open it straight away or it'll take slightly too long to load a room up, um, mm. the clock is still ticking and it's not doing advancing forward properly so it makes certain tasks like impossible so like I can't I couldn't progress past the third mission because it was just impossible to do it in that small amount of time with input delay it's a shame because I really love the game I really like the idea of the game I say uh, it's bad enough anytime you've got time like I'm not a fan of timers in games in general when I tend to like looking around and exploring things but yeah especially on a game where um where you're getting shitty input lag, that's definitely a yeah, well, negative. It, the thing is, like the time, it, I don't mind time in this game because it's a core mechanic, and it's not mm. like just like a time trial for a race or something. It's a core mechanic to the game. But when you are 
looking at it from the perspective of you need to do it in this amount of time. And yes, you can restart and just reset the day with certain things already solved, but but like you still can't do the rest of it because you t- it takes this old priest 400 years to get through a door. <laughs> that sounds... That's interesting, though. It sounds really cool, but really frustrating. Like, yeah, rage-inducingly frustrating. Oh, you've given me no reason to actually play it. If it's if it's that bad, it, well, you can't kind of. Well, the thing is, it's it's different for different people because some people are not seeing the issue, and some people are. And it's not even to do with like my PC specs, right? Because I'm above the specs for it, and hmm. like, I don't get why. Because it it came out on Switch as well, and it had a problem with the Switch, but it didn't have a problem with the PS4 and some PCs it has issues with, but it doesn't for all of them. Because if you look at the Steam reviews. They're all like mm. 9 out of 10 or 8 out of 10, and it's I can see why the game is really enjoyable. Like, for the part I could play, I loved it, and the visuals are great. I'm just getting into a habit of playing games that, are like, visually are amazing, and then one dis- one disaster piece of a thing lets it all down. Because it, <laughs> ba- it happened when I played Backbone. If you're I was review- about to say Backbone, yeah, he didn't particularly care for. Yeah, um... Like, people have said they're still going to play it and see what they think, and it's like, that's fair enough. I was just disappointed. Well, that's the thing. I've got no, um, I've got no, with Backbone, I've got no kind of like, other than your review, I've got no uh, expectations going in. Like, it wasn't something I'd kind of heard about before, but it is now on Game Pass. But for PC, of course. So I'm kind of, from having your bad review, which made me aware of it, kind of now want to try it out, just to (laughs) see, you know, what it's like. Yeah, you're right. The the visuals on it look really cool. Visuals are amazing on Backbone. Mm. And I think I, I, I always try to praise art style when I can, just because art style gets overlooked so often. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I know everything has to be like photorealism in games to oh, be a good game. A washed shade of brown that Rockstar started with their <laughs> Grand Theft Auto oh. 4, and then every game afterwards has a brown filter thrown on it. So brown, brown and greys, that's seems to be AAA gaming's kind of colour decision-wise. It's like we've got 85 shades of brown and 59 shades of Gray, let's just Can mix you stop, and match like, them. Disparaging my favourite franchise, Gears of War, please. <laughs> no, Gears I said Gears nothing of about stylized that way. That's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. When, <laughs> I, I also excuse it for Spec Ops: The Line, which is in a friggin' desert. Yeah, well, I, mm-hmm. I don't excuse it for when you're meant to be in New York stealing cars. There's a bit of a difference there. Yeah, definitely. This should be bright and colourful, and all I've got is brown and grey, <laughs> with occasional bits of green for some dodgy-looking trees. And phone calls from your Russian cousin. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Miko. He went out of helicopters so many times. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> uh, I miss Grand Theft Auto. I really liked that game, actually. That was so fun. I didn't particularly, to be honest. Grand Theft Auto 4, I think the, it was the driving being so... Uh, it's probably, like, fine. I don't know if you get used to it, because, like, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, you know, it drove, like like Grand Theft Auto, like I imagine. And then 4 felt like it was trying to be realistic, um, which made it just really hard for me to try and drive in it. And yeah, I didn't have too much fun with it. Uh, no, that's fair. Grand Theft Auto 5 did driving better, I think, at least. Mm. Oh, the driving in Grand Theft Auto 5 was so good. Yes, really satisfying. I'm just driving around in that game, obeying the rules and all that. Oh, I never so obeyed rules at all. If you, if you are stopping a bit... Traffic lights. <laughs> was wasn't there a post on I think it got viral on Twitter and it was saying that uh like 
his mother played Grand Theft. This guy's mother played Grand Theft Auto Five for the first time, and she obeyed all of the rules. Oh my god! Like, yes, stopped, I remember stopped that. A, stopped at traffic lights and drove on the right side of the road, even though like British. It's like, so what's the point in playing Grand Theft Auto? The 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 object of the game is literally in the title. Yeah, but it's rebelling against it, isn't it? She clearly thought it was a life simulator where you played as three very psychologically unstable men in America. And she was just like, oh, this is great. It's like a life simulator for crazy people. But it's, it's about rebellion. If you're told you have to go around robbing cars and speeding, your ultimate rebellion is to obey the rules and just, you know, pull up at the shops, go and buy some new suits, get back in your car, drive off, go home, do some yoga. No, just me. <laughs> Franklin's the best character in Grand Theft Auto Five, like no question about yeah. it. Yeah, I love Franklin, but there was something about Trevor who I just enjoyed playing as a total sociopath. <laughs> Stephen Hawking is just amazing. I justified. Oh, I was great. I literally everything I did in that game that was bad, I justified as I'm just playing as Trevor, so I can do this. It's fine. That's weird. So, so you've got Trevor, Franklin, and I actually quite like playing as Michael. <laughs> like, I, I find him quite interesting because of you know it's just a guy that hates his fucking life and his stupid dumb kids and wife, who's cheating on him with the yoga instructor. I kind of like that. So anyway, have you been playing anything else too, Lavender? Uh, I started playing Agent A, which is another like a point and click puzzle game, which I'm really enjoying, but it's really really tricky. So as in just hard to solve, or like uh, mechanically they've kind of messed things up. Mechanically, it's it's arguably flawless because it's mm. such a simple, so simple mechanics. You only really use the left and right mouse buttons. And that's to move forward and to interact and to move backwards. But it's some of the puzzles are actually quite tricky, and they require a lot Look of like to seeing a review on it. <laughs> the <laughs> games. It'll be the oldest game I've reviewed, I think. That's fine. <laughs> it sounds like a really elevated escape from Monkey Island. Then if the puzzles are like really tricky. So I remember playing like Escape from Monkey Island 1 and 2 as a child on some really dodgy old Windows 95 PC. And yeah, I got stumped by those puzzles at the age of like seven. As a grown up, I might be able to handle them possibly. Uh, the worst feeling is, is when I played games that I played as a child and I still couldn't do them as an adult. <laughs> that was the yeah. worst feeling. I've ever thought. Oh, I'm smart now. I can do it. I'm like, why still can I not do it? <laughs> yeah. What am I missing here? What am I? I've read all the text. What am I not understanding? And then you go onto a wiki and it's something really simple, like click the light switch. And you're like, there's a light switch? <laughs> Your kids don't know how good they have it with the internet and guides these days. Like, I've got a game or had a game. It was like the Yoda Chronicles or something on Game Boy. And I never could get past the first Tatooine level. And it was a cool game. And, you know, you went around and grabbed stuff. But I had no idea how to progress and get out of this kind of area. Nowadays, I'm sure there's probably, a you know, website will tell me exactly how to get through it and to get to the next bit but that was a game cartridge i had that i could just repeatedly play the same one level and have no yeah, idea what to what do well, i was I like remember those cheap books you used to get as well i was about to say <laughs> the kind of prima <laughs> guy like magazines quaffton yeah yeah there was um i'll tell you what right i was talking to one of my friends about this the other day because when i was a kid my uh mum worked in mcdonald's right and at one time, McDonald's were giving away demo discs for PlayStation 1. Nice. So, on the demo disc was, uh, like, a, an early SSX game. There was a, a, like, a football game. Like, American football, not, hmm. like, British football. And uh, then Worms. Like, 
and I like I just spent ages playing Worms because Worms was one of my favorite games growing up. Worms two I had on PC, and that was the kind of game I yeah I haven't thought about that in a long time. But Worms two is the game I played all the damn time when I was a kid. It's like uh, a cuter and funnier version of Scorched Earth. So it's like, <laughs> what's not the love? Never played. I've never heard of Scorched Earth or played Scorched Earth. So was that like a grittier version of Worms? Uh, it was just. It was like less. It was more. It was like less rendered. It was sort of like a DOS game, and it, you just right, had okay. you just had two tanks, but it had a bit more. Um, it had a bit more oh, violent this... things, but like not quite as funny. <laughs> right, I, I kind of get an image in my head of like two incredibly just, you know, made of like seven pixel tanks. Yeah, and like the, the 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 land was destructible. So if you fired your shot, it would blow up the lands like that it hit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's pretty much Scorched Earth. Think, think on it. Now with um, demo discs, the one I had and liked was on. I think it was on PlayStation Two, and it just had a copy of um, uh, what's it called, De- De- Dynasty Warriors or Destiny Warriors? Dynasty, Din- Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, it had like all that. So it's just one map, like one mission. But from my understanding, like those games are just basically like the same thing over and over again, and it was awesome. I get to play yeah. like three different people, I think, and like just hack my way through enemies. It was cool. What's so good about the Dynasty Warriors games, though, is like it's set in like Three Kingdoms, China. So like the stuff mm. where we don't really know if it actually happened or it was mythical or not. Uh, but as I think it like the game progressed to the point where like we were finding out more about Chinese history, so they incorporated more stuff in it, and that was really cool okay. because it, it started out as they just wanted a hack and slash, and then we realized <laughs> that it, like because I remember reading some dev notes on it because it was one of my favorite games growing up, like the Dynasty Warriors franchise. And um, mm. they uh, were saying that like it started out they just wanted to make a hack and slash where you'd have uh, like general based combat mechanics where you could lead a platoon of uh, soldiers and go out and fight with them instead of just like uh, XCOM style where you command them from the air. But yeah. um, the, it just gradually got more and more closer to Three Kingdoms, which is also so cool because <laughs> everyone really likes the Three Kingdoms era in China. So yeah, Riku, what have you been playing this week? Um, I've been playing a handful of games. Well, so I've been playing a couple of games this week. Um, I have been slowly working through my back catalogue of games, and I am really enjoying Watchdog Legion. Oh, because not I not a game it reviewed very well, but no, I'm really enjoying it because it's kind of you know driving around. I I absolutely adore traveling up and wandering around, spending days just wandering around London, and being able to mm. drive around London with zero care for literally any form of authority and driving around London how I would want to drive around it instead of being stuck in traffic for you know four hours to move 10 meters down the road um, is really fun but I'm also loving the fact that I can build my own squad of random people from the street in the most unsubtle way possible you know the kind of premise is you're meant to be this kind of like secret anti-government cabal of randomers off the street um, and you literally go and have a conversation with someone and they're like oh so you're this group of people and you're like damn right i am i'm like great secret organization guys this is great um <laughs> but i've actually got so i i am i've got like my one of my people in my starting team is like my main character he does like all of my kind of go in and do hacky stuff and run around with me little spider bot because the premise of that game is pretty much you are a spider drone delivery system as long as you control it and hide in vent for long enough to make the guards less suspicious of you um but on the mandatory combat missions i switched to a retired policewoman 
who is called Julia, and I have renamed her Julia the Cardigan Killer um, <laughs> because she is a 78-year-old retired ex-copper and ex-nurse, and that woman's combat skills are second to none in that game. I literally just run into houses or groups full of enemies as Julia and just open farm with my revolver and just put people down. And she's got a fully, you know, I'm where she's got a fully packed out backstory now. The reason she's that good with a shot is because she had an abusive husband. She's got a really sad backstory, but she's a very angry woman. And I just love running around as a pensioner. Fly in on my little constru- giant construction drone, jump off it, run in, shoot some people out, run out again. Take my gigantic bunny hat that looks like it should have been. It was a reject from the... um none in our video by my chemical romance a decade ago yeah it's just, i i think it's one of those games where it didn't review very well but i think if you kind of are one of those people who can you know off the fly come up with a random backstory for a random londoner with at times very dodgy accents um it can be very amusing and the customization is quite cool as well like you know you've got like cheap dodgy knockoffs of big london brands like you know you've got a knockoff of Cyberdog in there and that amuses me to you know dress random people i've got a uh, Teresa not may who walks around in a tory blue suit with a neon kind of like visor on her head it's quite funny i'm having <laughs> hours of fun just making up backstories and making my characters look ridiculous really um the story's quite good though getting onto an actual gameplay thing and not just my random ramblings um the gameplay is quite fun. Um, like I say, you know, basically you call in a flying construction drone, you jump your person onto it, you then stop controlling the drone, chuck your spider droid over the fence, and then sit on your drone in midair whilst controlling your spider droid so no one can catch you. It's very efficient. Um, probably not how the <laughs> game designers imagined most people would complete the game, but that seems to be the general consensus is lob a spider drone in get it to do most of the work and then if you have to go in to collect something have already killed disarmed or knocked out the guards run in grab it run out again problem solved so yeah I, i'm enjoying it it's it's fun see i'd say funnily enough i'm been playing a bit of that too i'm guessing uh, from the recent it was on sale recently so prime day that's why you're on it as well um i've not got any old old late cardigan killers running around uh so are there obviously you can just run up and start punching people and doing flying kicks and things is does the cardigan killer also do such things no she doesn't in my backstory for her she doesn't actually engage in uh melee combat because she sees it as beneath her so uh if someone starts to fight on her in the street she will just pull out her rather large revolver and shoot them in the head just plus trap on them that's just <laughs> literally just cool. did you say this is set in london by the way yeah it is and that's what makes it even more amusing for me because you know because i don't know if anyone who listens to this has been to london but I can openly tell you that if anything flies vaguely near anyone in London, it gets stuff thrown at it, so nothing gets done. Do you remember when David Blaine was it David Blaine who like suspended himself in above the, the Thames? Yeah, in the yep. box above the Thames, mm. and people use drones to fly Berg like Big Macs and and like uh, whoppers from Burger King past him to just to talk. He was on a hunger hunger strike. Well, not hunger strike. It was like how going forty days without food or something. So yeah, good old British. Yeah, it's like that's it now. <laughs> We're gonna have your life. That was a while ago as well. Those drones weren't good drones. That would have been oh. quite hard work. That was like the 2000 or something. The amount of effort the British public will go to just to uh, fuck about with someone is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Original trolls. And I think yeah. they've tried to emulate that in Watchdog Legion to a degree in the fact that you can just grab some random person off the street, do one simple quest for them, like, you know, for 
Julia the Cardigan Killer, all I had to go and do was go and steal some drugs from some small, dodgy Camden gang. Um, they were medicinal, or so she told us. I was like, are they really medicinal? Are they in the <laughs> air quote medicinal sense, darling? Uh, hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But yeah, it just kind of, they've tried to capture that to a degree. I think the public AI could be a bit better in that you could have kind of more of a London response to things um, that occur around it. Like, you know, if there's a car crash, people in London are like, oh my God, that's terrible. Let's get the camera phones out and start taking photos and that sort of stuff. Um, mm. But it's it's a, it's a good oh. attempt. It's a good attempt. It's fun to, you know, drive around, you know, doing donuts outside Waterloo Station in a dodgy looking sports car because why not that road is normally well, the thing I quite liked about it um, is the attention to detail of London itself London is like much better looking in that game than it is in real life frankly like, it's, it's probably sunny. due to the fact that there's a lot less people but They're it does look good they've, they've made a very good reconstruction of London they've made it sunny well, one thing I've always found weird about games that are set in, the, that are set in Britain or the UK made by uh, devs who aren't from there is the ratio of Monty Python references. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I didn't realise it until I watched Zero Punctuation talk about We Happy Few and realised that mm. that game's made by Canadians and it's set in the UK in a dystopian future because everything, every game in the UK is a dystopian world. <laughs> apparently. And Just being realistic. There's so many Monty Python references and terrible British accents. I played a game called uh, Nick and Willikins on stream last year, and it was like uh, it was a murder mystery style game because that's all the games I play apparently. And <laughs> it was made by um, it, I think it was made by Australians, and they were uh, and they were saying like they put a preface of the accents are going to be terrible and they were going to get words wrong. But they were trying so hard to be British, it kind of made it charming. In yeah, the worst way. I think that's the thing is that you've you've got non-British people trying to emulate Britain, and I'm like, just just spend like you know a month here and immerse yourself oh. in the weird, or just keep doing what you're doing, or just go completely down the opposite route like they did. But we have a few. I 
played a short chunk of We Happy Few, and then I got very stressed. I don't deal well with jump scares and whatnot, and that game had quite a few jump scares um, that made me kind of go, I know it's a miracle I actually got through Resident Evil 7 with the jump scares in there. Um, but um, I did find the kind of general kind of like attempt to, you know, kind of sarcastic British humour in that Monty Python sense really funny. Yeah, I don't mind it. And I, I'll be honest, like, there's probably like not a month, maybe not a week, but not a month goes by where some sort of Monty Python reference doesn't come up amongst me and people I know. So oh, I've been yeah. fairly bang on with that. But the accents in um in this Ubisoft's uh, Watchdog is kind of uh, it's kind of horrible. I, I fully believe they probably did get British voice actors, but I think they just told them to ham it up, <laughs> like be as British, be as like London as you can be. Well, you've and, got um, a lot of the acts. They're not that convincing, like the actual uh, the voiceover work. You don't feel like what they're saying aligns with the kind of way they're saying it. Like it's far too relaxed for these people who are trying to take down the um, government. But you know, if it like if you walk up and just try and recruit someone, like uh, Riku was saying there, firstly, it's just the case you walk up to someone and go, "Hey," and they go, "Hey, are you part of Dead Sec?" And they're like, "Yeah," and which is mad anyway. But it never sounds like I think I put in too much effort in that voice work there because that sounded like they actually was meant to be communicating with each other, whereas they never really do. They sound like they're very much lines recorded separately. The first thing that sprung to my mind with the voice acting was someone has clearly watched Mary Poppins over and over again. <laughs> and they've come to the conclusion that there are two types of British accents. You've got the really terrible Dick Van Dyke, hello, Mary Poppins, or blimey governor, sort of dodgy Cockney stuff. And then you've got the other side of the coin, which is Julie Andrews very much, hello, received pronunciation. Um and literally that's waste it man kind of talking there though like there is well. there is you've got always kind of like roadman kind of like that's oh i've right, got like bear this road man, not waste man. <laughs> but with yeah. a really hilarious cockney accent behind it and i just kind of sit there and i'm like did the, is this what you said to the was the director of the voice actors going we need more dick van dyke or we need more julie andrews and they were just sitting there going are you basing this off of monty python jokes and mary poppins as a film yes yes we are that's that's literally how we've condensed british culture and voice acting and it is uh, like Julia the Cardigan Killer is, she's very much you know standard received pronunciation. This is the BBC, and I find it hilarious, especially when she stands there and she swears. Like I shot someone in the head, and she went, "Yes, take that, you motherfucker." I was like, "Oh God." Uh, no, they swear so much in this game as well, which is kind of very realistic to British. But like, I think you're not used to hearing it in games that much. So while I'm used to hearing that, just being British and talking to other British people, we always you know punctuate with swearing. Hearing it in a game does come across as like, oh, this is a bit strange. So I I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what we sound like when, you know, Americans come visiting. You yeah. say that, but there's like, I haven't heard one character yet say, oh, bollocks. And that is a very British swear. I go, I've, I've been playing it. I've, I've chugged about 15 hours into it at this point, and I haven't heard a single person call someone a twat okay. or say bollocks. I've just heard fucking shit a lot. And I'm like, well, we do have a slightly now more involved swear vocabulary. Now you're using the like, uh, you know, Mary Poppins British of oh bollocks and oh bugger me, because that's not really how I'm well, swearing. Most of I'm swearing it is shit. I mean, that's to be fair, vaudeville and musical, like that's uh, when I picture Black Adder goes forth. That's the kind of thing I picture. Yeah, so, and mm. I kind of feel they've, they've missed the top. they've missed a trick with that. You know, if you're going to have these received these people with these very over the top received pronunciation posh British accents. Get them to swear like a posh person in Britain by saying, oh, bugger me. 
But you know, we don't. As a posh person in Britain, <laughs> I have rarely said, don't bugger me. I don't. I, so, <laughs> I know very few actual posh people. I am. I, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not that posh. I, I just have a slightly the, um, southern wankery accent, but... <laughs> <laughs> they got... Um, I don't know who the voice actor is for Phoenix in Valorant, but Phoenix is meant to be from the UK and he's meant to be from London. And I think the only way they could have made it more London if they got someone like KSI to voice him. Yes. Because he even does a scrap. He even does that kind of thing in the game. And it's like, well, that stop it. It means you've watched one big Shaq video and you think that's the entirety of Britain. <laughs> it's like, you've seen, you've, you've seen the sidemen play golf and you think that's all of Britain. It's like, I mean, most of the time it is, not going to lie, but at the same point, <laughs> like, like, can we have more representation in the UK than yeah. just roadman talk? Yeah, as I say, it's roadman talk received Roadman's and Mary Poppins and that's that's kind of how most of the world tends to see us. I'm like, oh. It's quite funny though that like the range of London accents you see in our media goes from either Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses to KSI who sounds like he's from London but I'm pretty sure he's actually not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say I, yeah. I don't think he's from London. I think he's from... I don't know who KSI is so I'm... Um, uh, uh, man, I love KSI. This. He's, he's this really is the YouTuber funny. I think you've mentioned before. Because uh, I watch a lot of Sidemen videos, and he's really, really funny. Because <laughs> he's just—I'll yeah, check him out. He's a lovable idiot. I'll check him out purely because you bring him up quite a lot. So I think like I'm gonna miss out on so much context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she would go for it. I will send you some of my recommended videos of KSI Please. being a KSI being a lovable idiot. <laughs> so is there anything else you've been playing until weeks? Reeks? Mm, maybe oh, not. No, I mean, Riku. let's not do that one. <laughs> Didn't I, think that through I'm as I was nothing. saying it. Yeah, I am good. not. I am Going not Theon right Greyjoy. Now? Not Theon Greyjoy at all. Thank you very much. That is so insulting. I am sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's it. I'm Rage Quinn. I'm done. I'm out. Bye, Joking. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this on Twitter. Mate. Oh, don't do that. No. There's going to be like some random meme with like my freaking face slapped over Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones Season 5. And I'm just going to be like, no. Do not meme this. I haven't watched Game of Thrones, so... I I apologise. I apologise, Riku. was so (laughs) mean. That was, honestly, it just kind of like... You know, sometimes I shorter names and don't think about it. Alright, anyway. Uh, What else have you been playing? um, I have been... Slowly working my way through the. Uh, once again, I've been working my way. I say I've been working my way. I've been working my way again for like this will be like the f- once I finish it, it'll be the fourth playthrough of uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. But I'm playing the upgraded, integrated version now, and I also finished uh, episode intermission, which was the beautiful Yuffie DLC, which I got very excited about um, as well, which is just brilliant. I mean, like. What they did with the remake last year when it came out was like breathtaking, and then they were kind of like, "We we wanted part two news," and they said, "You're getting a PlayStation Five upgrade, and it's going to be pretty, and there's going to be different lighting, there's going to be fog effects." So I was a bit like, "That's not what we want," and they were like, "And you get a Yuffie DLC." I was like, oh, "We're getting warmer." I mean, I still want my Vincent DLC um, because Vincent is the best character in that game, and I will fight anyone that disagrees. Um, but yeah, it just I've been playing that again because I loved it and i love what they're doing with the narrative and the fact that they're kind of flipping some of the story elements and what they've done with the upgrade is start like there's this cut scene in the after you blow up the marco reactor at the start of the game where 
Cloud has this weird, and spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't yet played it, but it's been out for over a year, so deal with it. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, deal with it. Um, where Cloud has kind of like this weird kind of Scarecrow Arkham moment where he sees Nibelheim burning and Sephiroth kind of stood there. And like the detail, like you've got actual beads of sweat on Cloud's face and one of them rolls down his cheek because he's like actually thinking he's in the burning remnants of Nibelheim when Sephiroth attacked it. And I was just like, that detailing is insanely good. I mean, okay, yeah, some of it's not great. Like when you're escaping from the Marco reactor, some of the some of the graphics and stuff for the fire is a little bit dodge, but I can overlook that. And playing it at 60 FPS makes the combat feel so much more. I, I didn't even think it felt clunky when I played it through the first time around. Um, but playing it at 60 frames per second, it just feels a lot more fluid and a lot more responsive and it's beautiful. And then episode intermission is just it starts off really quite lighthearted and fun as you would expect it to be for Yuffie um, and it kind of takes place around the failed Marco Reactor 5 bombing post Airbuster fight and all that sort of stuff um, right up until the Sector 7 plate falls so kind of while Cloud's mooching around in Wall Market and everything else and I was really I Dirge of Cerberus the PS2 Vincent game I it kind of was on a bit mixed reviews. Some people were like, "Oh, what are they doing? Why are they doing this?" Blah blah blah. I loved the game when I played it through as a kid. I loved it when I replayed it as a grown up. And then to have kind of like these Dirge of Cerberus characters show up in Intermission was exciting, and it was really good. And hard mode has kicked my ass as Yuffie, um, because I've had to get used to fighting slightly differently to how I did normally. Uh, but it is brilliant, and I've loved every. I loved it when it came out last year. And I have fallen in love with it all over again. So yeah, that, that's good. That's kind of been what I've been doing recently, really. Just replaying Final Fantasy VII and running around as Julia the Cardigan Killer. <laughs> See, I am um, I... sure a lot of that meant like the Dirge of Cerberus stuff. I'm sure that means a lot to people that might have played those games. To me, that I'm afraid was kind of lost on me. What did stick with me there was um, just thinking about how Final Fantasy VII, the original, back on PlayStation, that... Back then, you had no idea that what you were really looking for is just a sweatier-looking cloud. But look where we are today. I mean, yeah, it never occurred have. to me until just now <laughs> that all I really wanted from that game was to see the literal beads of sweat dropping off of Cloud's stupidly just photorealistic face. And looking now... at the twenty pixels it used to consist of, him thinking not sweaty enough, but. Here we apparently are. that's We've what we're the that's all i wanted that and <laughs> you know the, the thing first thing that came into my head as soon as you mentioned that was that song from the 90s <laughs> girl, I'm gonna make you, girl i'm gonna make you sweat oh yes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> swap girl for cloud and then it becomes an entirely different meaning make you... <laughs> i might have to i might have to screen cap that scene and then just dub that track over the top of it with Sephiroth every time he talks, just being like, girl, I want to make you sweat, and just flash to sweaty cloud. Um, <laughs> Not sure I enjoy this. <laughs> I'm just going to point out, <laughs> you can't see cloud sweat that much. It's just in a single cutscene, and it just kind of, I was just like, wow, that's an awful lot of detail, and we somehow have turned this into another one of these, let's just talk about Riku being a bit of a weirdo, which is fine. Uh, not like, um, not just like looking like Lee Evans the whole time, Cloud's just shirts no, absolutely it's, so through with sweat. Yeah, no, it's just this single moment where you just, he's thinking he's, and you kind of, I was thinking about this before we kind of talked about it, and I was like, actually, 
initially it's like oh he's sweating because he thinks the place is on fire but the place isn't on fire at all you know you've got some collapsing stuff from the marco reactor explosion but he's probably just sweating because he's absolutely petrified of seeing sephiroth who rocks up in standard sephiroth fashion in the remake of just popping up at random moments to just kind of taunt cloud and be all mysterious and stuff and it's like god cloud is like either really excited to see sephiroth or really concerned and yeah I don't know. I loved it. Just mimicking the um, mimicking the viewer or players' excitement of seeing Sephiroth, just getting a little bit hot under the collar, looking at that beautiful gold, that beautiful silver hair. No comment after the vampire scandal. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, so myself, I mean, I've played a bit of that uh, Ubisoft Watch Dogs. I played quite a bit of it. And then it absolutely fucked over my save, so I've lost it, and I kind of lost a lot of motivation to go back to it. But it was fun driving around. Um, since then, I've been playing Scarlet Nexus, a game that's not traditionally in my kind of wheelhouse. That's uh, the JRPG sort of thing. So speaking of Final Fantasy. Oh, it looks um, so cool. I saw they did a good fantasy. job of selling it to me. Like, you know, like the adverts all made it look really cool. And I think, uh, I think where I've seen and watched a lot of Persona 5, like without having played it, but kind of the whole vibe with the music being an important part and that kind of animation. It when I saw this come out, without it being a turn-based combat, which I'm not a big fan of, it's actually a hack and slash, much more for you know a dumb person like me to play, like with a low attention span. So yeah, thought I'd dive in on brand new, and I'm not regretting it at all. It's fucking awesome. It looks Isn't- cool. Combat's fun and not too hard, but challenging enough. And for once, I'm playing a game on normal mode, not, you know, story or easy, as is my usual kind of take. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just the right amount of challenge. I've died a couple of times, but not, not enough to frustrate me. Um, it looks fucking kick-ass. The enemies are like Bandit. I know you were talking about, um, uh, what's that one called? The horror game? The over-designed horror game? Oh, um, I kill out so much, so much silence. Here. Um, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, evil within, be, evil within, evil within. Yeah, like you're talking about everything being a bit of design like that. This is the weirdest kind of design of like they've just looked around a room and picked out items and thought, how can we get these to kind of go together? Like, not even joking. That is what everything kind of looks like, but it's really kind of cool. A little bit freaky. I saw, um, I saw the adverts for Scarlet Nexus and. Hmm. I instantly took a look at the trailer and I thought, that looks like it's not going to be safe for me to play. So I just immediately like blacklisted it off. <laughs> I just thought yeah. it looked really cool. But then I looked at some of the models. I mean, like I will, you know, I am an absolute sucker for a JRPG. You slap some kind of like upbeat music and some anime characters in a video game and 90% of the time I'll be like, shut up and take my money. But I looked at the monster designs <laughs> and I was like, this looks like, the absolute horrifying eldritch fever dream of alan titchmarsh what if the flowers that i'm working with in a garden suddenly <laughs> turn into gigantic <laughs> like some of the monster designs they just look like you know a pair of legs a pair of boobs and some weird plant pot on the head is i mean that's just like from snippets that i've seen in trailers and whatnot and i'm like no no this is I, accurate it's okay. accurate like honestly it's just <laughs> like alan Henderson titchmarsh know your location for yeah things where a human head should be but it's not actually there yeah just alan titchmarsh is absolute worst nightmare because all of a sudden all the you know those conifer trees that he was not nice and lightly pruning have turned into some gigantic beast with a you know forestry piece on its front i was just like looks really i mean like, i play weird as shit like some jrpgs have got some very bizarre monster designs um, but you, even by my standards, I was like, 
it's it's a gigantic floral flower man-eating dog creature and that looks like if you were playing um animal minimal vegetable the answer would be yes yeah like it is made up of everything you generally take one one creature stick a few light bulbs on it but because they all seem to have light bulbs on them for some reason and then yeah just some inanimate object so like yeah woman's legs uh, with some flowers and a light bulb, or a crocodile with a whole bunch of light bulbs sticking out of it. Have you just been playing it's... Annihilation the game? Because if you've seen the movie, there's Annihilation... a game based on the movie. I've seen the movie Annihilation. Yeah, because all you're describing is sounds like what would happen in Annihilation <laughs> <laughs> with the shimmer. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that a great film, by the way. Good that movie. was awesome. I'm took me a while to actually get around to watching it because the uh, trailer didn't really do much to sell it for me, really. But yeah, very glad I did. I'm anyway, that's much... speech for your other podcast, Bandit. Yeah, it is. Sorry. <laughs> red, red, red Scares, go listen. Guys, go listen to Red Scare. <laughs> um, not right now, listen to this, but then afterwards check out immediately Bandit and Holly on the Red Scare. Cheeky plug. Um, Ooh, so, so yeah, smooth. I've been playing that. It's been... Thank you. It's been... It's been a very good game so far. I'm going to carry on. Um, there's two different storylines, and this goes against everything I've ever kind of felt with games. I'm probably going to play it twice just so I can play both storylines. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm a JRPG fan now. It turns Isn't, out. Aren't the two storylines like they follow the same critical path, but there are conversations and detailing and combat bits that are different, though? Isn't that like the whole point of the I two think characters? There's more. Yeah. I think there's more than I don't think it's like um original uh Resident Evil 2 where like in the original you know it's both the same mostly basically the same story. Obviously the remake's kind of gone a bit further out but like um because a lot of it you're not seeing the other character. So yeah. I'm playing as the girl uh can I can't remember her names. <laughs> but like I'm playing as her and it's like the uh, dude is in some scenes, and I know like if I play as him, those scenes will happen, and he'll be there. But a lot of the time, they're separate from each other. It reminds me, and all of that's going to be a separate, you know, separate story stuff. So I'm sure they'll come together a lot more towards the end, probably. But see, when I was right looking, now, there's quite a lot of difference. When I was looking at some of the reviews and stuff, the kind of way they were describing the story and stuff, it reminded me an awful lot of what Square Enix did with Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep, where you have like your three. So you've got like Terra's narrative, Ventus's narrative, and Aqua's narrative. And you kind of played through each of their stories and there'd be different points where they'd all interact with one another. And it was this standard Kingdom Hearts, gigantic, convoluted mess. It makes sense if you played all the games, by the way. And I will defend Kingdom Hearts to the hill against <laughs> anyone. Um, but you've got like, so you've got like Terra's storyline and then it would like bisect with a bit of Ventus's and it would bisect with a bit of Aqua's and it would then bisect with both of them. And you'd have all, so you've got like these three separate stories that are all kind of interwoven beautifully. And that's kind of, when I kind of was looking at kind of the whole advertising and some of the reviews I've read for it, and some of the gameplay footage I've seen, it seems very much to be in that vein, just with, you know... I'd say so. Like, yeah, kind of, they're definitely interwoven. Focus. Yeah. No, they're definitely interwoven, but um, I think I don't think it's just like... If I play as the guy, when I play as the guy next, I don't think the story beats, like... Um, obviously, I'm not going to go and spoil this, because it's a brand new game, but, like, the bits where I'm playing as the girl and the events that happen that affect her directly, I don't think it's going to be just the equivalent as him. Like, I think he's got his own storyline taking place. Uh, there's actually, I, I think there's quite a lot of thought into these because there is an anime being released, like, or has been released alongside it to watch. <laughs> no surprise. Um, no surprise. No, but like, <laughs> but like, it shows they're kind of, you know, committing to this kind of, uh, this world anyway. 
when you, and I want to watch that anime now they've sold it to me honestly this game's really good <laughs> when you mentioned the multiple storylines that are sort of like the same sort of progression but intersect I didn't go to something beautifully done like Kingdom Hearts I went straight to Sonic Heroes where like you play as four different teams and all go through the same sort of storyline but it's, di- it's dictated by difficulty so if you want a normal game you play as Sonic if you want a hard game, you play as Shadow. If you want an easy game, you play as Amy. Tails? And if uh-huh. you play, if you want a game that's completely off the wall and shouldn't really be there, but is anyway, you play as Team Chaotix. Wasn't that the one with Charlie the Bee? Too hard. Yeah, and it was like the the stories all sort of intersected in different ways, but at the same time, it was just like okay, but why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved I loved Sonic Heroes, but I love I played what? Sonic Heroes and it was really enjoyable. So- is this the one where Sonic kisses a human? Woman? No, that's Sonic that's 2006. Sonic 06. I, I have opinions on Sonic 06 that we... Yes, same. <laughs> I have unpopular opinions on Sonic 06, which most same. people tell me I'm wrong about. Same, actually. Because <laughs> it wasn't I, a terrible I don't know game. what the popular opinion is. So is it, is it not like... Is, take it? is it because of the weird, the weird hedgehog no. human I'd, love? There are so many things that people have gripes with about that game. And they are justified. <laughs> they are. They are very justified. They are very uh, justified. Silver um, existing. <laughs> yeah. The whole yeah. a very RPG focus. There are uh, people have got a lot of issues with that game, but yeah, I like it. I, I like. I liked Sonic Six. <laughs> I, I enjoyed. Sonic. I'm so glad I found someone else who enjoyed Sonic Six. I also enjoyed Shadow the Hedgehog. Don't at me. I. I know. I enjoyed Sonic Shadow the Hedgehog. To be fair, as well, it was just a different oh. pace. Are we the same person? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> We're opposite ends of the How... country, and as we know, the UK is divided by a gigantic mirror. Yeah. So, you know, we have reflections in the north, because that's how the UK works to non-UK people. Yeah, this is What's accurate. the odds I get the only two people that like that Sonic game? <laughs> <laughs> Do it, not the only two. There must be, like, other people in the world somewhere. I think the if you like, just... leave a comment if you were I was gonna say, a fan if, of this Sonic. If you enjoyed human... Sonic 06, <laughs> if you enjoyed Sonic 06, through of it, and he said he like concluded in all seriousness he didn't hate the game, but it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those games. It's, <laughs> it's not, not good. Game. good. <laughs> it's not it. good. It's got a good soundtrack, but it's it not does. a good game. Oh, the soundtrack was banging. To be fair, the animation. A lot of my like favorite games aren't good games. They're just fun to play. So. Does it fall into that kind of category? No. No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not fun to play. It's just, no. just an awful experience all around, but I love it. There's something have... about it, Sonic 06, which I do like. I think it's because, yeah, I just... I think it was because, it, for me, it was like one of the first... When I traded in my PlayStation 2 at the behest of my family to get an Xbox 360, it was the first, because my brother wanted to play COD, and I was just like, I need something that's different i've had to give away kingdom hearts one and two for this i need something that's gonna be an rpg and then i was like oh or i could play a sonic the hedgehog game and then i was like oh it's an rpg and i was like but is it a good rpg not really (laughs) is it a good sonic game not really (laughs) it's a game where you can tell they've put a lot of work into it because it looks really good oh yeah appearance wise it looks great but it's the same shit that Sonic Adventure had problems with. Like, cause Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, I know they're touted as kind of like the best Sonic Advent- Sonic games going, right? But at the same time, they have the same buggy problems as every other 3D Sonic game. Yeah. And the, Sonic Team Sonic just hasn't evolved, and that's not a bad thing, because, uh, what is it, Sonic... Mania. The, Sonic Mania's... Uh, and Sonic, Ma- Sonic, Sonic Boom was just... 
a TV show pilot that you could play. Yep. The TV show's good, though, actually. The TV show's quite funny. The original, what, the original Sonic TV show you're talking about? No, Sonic Boom. Sonic the one Boom, where Sonic's yeah. got a scarf. <laughs> The the, the, the TV the TV show is actually funny, <laughs> like genuinely funny. It is quite amusing. I've seen a few episodes. And I was like, I need to actually get into this properly because it is, it's got this kind of like unique charm to the humor. Consider it recommended. I'll I'll give I'll try and give it a go. I do like cartoons. The uh, so my, capable is my middle name. I thought your middle name was the. <laughs> 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 just a perfectly delivered shit horse. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 props. Clever writing that's so dumb, but also that's what yeah. makes it clever. And it's done in a very kind of like matter. A lot of the kind of like comments like that are done in such a blunt, matter of fact way. It just kind of, I was like, right, this, this is this is well delivered, well written in a bad way, and well delivered in a in equally bad way. It's just really fun. So anyway, guys, there's a new thing. We've got a new thing happening, a new segment of the show, an actual segment of the show, rather than just the ramblings off into nowhere, as usual. I don't say that. There's going to be rambling. rambling. (laughs) There's going to be rambling. I'm not going to change the entire spirit of the show. However, we've got a focused segment. We are running, and I'm not sure of the name, so it's for now, the Commie Cup. Cheers. Cheers, anyone. Woo. Okay. Woo. Boo. No. Oh wait, was that a woo or a boo? That's a woo. I said, I, I said woo. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was the enthusiasm. I heard it as a boo, and also just my own, uh, you know, paranoia about the concepts here. <laughs> just like, oh god, it's it's got a terrible reaction to it. But anyway, <laughs> in light of the uh, football taking place, I guess it's uh, we're going to be doing. It is coming home. Sure. Yeah, England after beat, after last England night, beat Germany yesterday. So I said, now it's a done deal. We beat the Germans, so we're that, just going to cruise it. through. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if we it doesn't matter if we win the entire thing. Now we beat the Germans. We've won. <laughs> yeah, first time uh, in like twenty years. Uh, that no, was our first our time since nineteen sixty six that we beat the Germans in a knockout. It was the first time since the World Cup nineteen sixty six. Yeah, so it was a big deal for us. And I was, I'm not a fan of football, but I got sucked into the atmosphere. <laughs> this isn't the World Cup, though, is it? This is the Euros. Euros. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing my knowledge of football. It's yes. a good warm up for the World Cup, though. I'm excited now. Sports ball. Sports. Go sports, sports. ball. <laughs> Did you see that ludicrous display so, last night? <laughs> the actual, the actual competition we're doing here is just much cooler. I can't say it properly. <laughs> we're going to be competing off different games each week until we're left with one finalist, starting with a total of 32 games. The list will be made available on our website, on our Twitter, probably. Uh, and each week, we're going to bring one to the table, or one of my guests is going to bring one to the table. And we're going to talk about them and argue about them and decide which one's the winner. And eventually, whichever one your favourite is, listener, will probably piss you off because I'll probably send it home. So, guys, what have you got? Bandit. Uh, my submission is the saboteur. Ooh. For the PlayStation 3. I did play the... This is, of course, the World War 2? Yes. War 1? Uh, Paris has been invaded by the Nazis. You are a saboteur. And you are to take down the Nazis, correct? Aren't you an Irish person in Paris? Yes, you're in an Irish. World War II. Irish. Because uh, it's based loosely on a true story. I say loosely... You know, tongue so far in cheek, I'm tasting next door's dinner, right? But, um, <laughs> like, 
it's based it's based on a, a racing stock car driver who was who did some espionage stuff during Nazi occupied Paris and uh, obviously British people are generally still weren't still not liked at the point so it's like oh who does everyone like the Irish so you know they cast that's fair they put an yeah. Irish person in because you know, Americans a lot of them identify with Irish because of Irish ancestry. We identify with Irish because we can throw a stone and hit Dublin. And, um, <laughs> and we do often. Yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. But um, So you play as Sean Devlin, who is a, a stock car driver who also happens to just get wound up in the French resistance and liberates Paris. And that's the plot of the story. There's obviously more into this stuff intertwined with it, but that's the TLDR. You play as an Irish racing driver and you kill Nazis. Assassin's okay, Creed, well, we'll get into World World more in a second to make your arguments and such. So, Riku, what have you brought to the table for this one? Um, I have gone in the complete opposite direction. Okay. Instead of a nice, focused, serious game. Um, I chose uh, The Simpsons Hit and Run which is an absolute classic of the PlayStation 2 era, and probably the only Simpsons video game that was not utter crap. Um, <clears throat> I can only think of one other Simpsons game, you know, from any form of modern era, and that's the Crazy Taxi knockoff. Yeah. Um, and so you had yeah, the wrestlers. You've got my on that. The, well, the wrestlers. Simpsons, Simpsons Wrestling on PlayStation Yeah, which was one, awful. Which was terrible. <laughs> then there was the Simpsons game for Xbox the, 360 that yes. was actually pretty good. That, that was, was alright. Yeah. It was enjoyable. There was like lots of pie shifting and stuff. But no, I chose The Simpsons Hit and Run as mine um, to go up against the saboteur. So, you know, Bandit's picked a nice serious game and I have picked a Simpsons version of GTA, basically. And that is, that is say... literally the TLDR of Simpsons Hit and Run is it was GTA aimed at a younger audience basically because you had the same general shenanigans of gta but instead of driving around as you know franklin trevor or um any of the gta characters you drove around as homer simpson which was amusing as hell arguably a more dangerous individual well exactly exactly see i'd say though these games aren't actually as unrelated as you would kind of think though i mean the saboteur I've played it, or I've played some of it, and it does, you know, kind of have that GTA. You're still hijacking cars, you're still... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Shooting and killing things in a big open kind of sandbox world. So if that's what, um, I mean, I never actually played Hit and Run, so I'm going to be relying on you to make the case here. Uh, but... Yeah, they're not they're they're not too divergent from each other. I've played one being yeah I've cartoons. Played, I've played through both games fully as well. Perfect. I, I play the system system Simpsons hit and run, and I do have fun memories of that game as well. I did enjoy it. My favorite where they explained a way of being able to steal cars is Grand Theft Auto style. Is Bart said we Simpsons have did a lot for Springfield, so you know no one complains when we just get in their cars and tell them to take us wherever. And that's yep. just how they explained it away. <laughs> yeah, it's just done. Oh, really? In, yeah, it's really and that's done it. very well. I'll give them that. That is a very, very clever. Do you and drive the car though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you drive you around. So you get in the car and they're like, and the person doesn't get out. They just shift to the passenger seat and you drive. Yes. No, uh, you take control of the person driving the car. Yeah. Unless, right, it, unless okay. you summon a car, then you drive it yourself. Yeah. Sure. Um, what about when you bashing into people? So Can you've you run into people? You've got a meter on the side. That's called the hit and run meter. And uh, as okay. you do stupid stuff like accidentally run over Hans Moleman, for example, um, or, you know, knock down lampposts or, you know, knock over graves in the Springfield uh, Cemetery, uh, the gauge slowly increases. And then when it hits max, you get this big red flashing sign that comes across it shouting hit and run. The music changes into cop chase music um, and uh, Springfield PD starts chasing you around the town, um, which was very Shooting exhilarating. They don't shoot at you, they just chase you and run They did the chase road. you. Yeah, it was kind of just like you know, the image was... of like Chief Wiggum leaning out his window with his gun. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get that. That would have made the game better. I'm now regretting <laughs> my choice. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, we'll see if there's enough to go up against the saboteur. So, Bandit, what do you like about the saboteur? Tell us. Tell us about this game. Okay, point number one for the saboteur is the art design. Uh, if anyone's actually read a lot of my re- any of the reviews I've posted on comedygamer.com, you will know that I talk a lot about art design because it is vastly, vastly important to uh, games in general. And because when you are idling on a screen or you are going through a dialogue tree or something like that, you have to enjoy what you're looking at. The Saboteur is a very noir aesthetic. It's set in uh, 1940s Paris. So it's um, Paris at the time was a fashion center and it still is now. And obviously you are dealing with distinct differences in fashion between Nazis and the Parisians. But the the thing with it is it's all in black and white until you liberate it and then color comes. And mm. it's really, really satisfying 
when you liberate something and you see the color literally just explode from say like the mini boss or the thing you had to blow up it explodes literally outwards from where that happens and the color returns to the city and that's really nice symmetry and combining that with the noir art deco style and how everything is still although it's dark and dreary there still feels a lot of color to it i think that the art just the art style alone is makes it a good contender because it's so stylized really well that um going from black and white to color when you liberate like it's a very on the nose kind of you know oh yeah mechanism but not in a bad way like that's quite nice the whole you're bringing life back to that area of the city you've freed it from the horrible gray nazis well the thing is even like the nazis even after the the area they're sort of around is liberated they are still in gray and they are aside from the swastika but they are still in gray and it it's it shows like a big contrast because obviously no one's going to argue that nazis were good guys right but it's a (laughs) distinct visual contrast as well which Mm. is really really good because it it does say that it is a polarity to it but at the same time when you compare it to games that it's similar to like assassin's creed everyone sort of looks the same so it's an especially if you played like some of the later assassin's creed games it's all like oh are the templars actually the good guys or whatever but then when you have a clear polarized view done in a stylistic way it looks so much prettier it just looks great also the the box cover is just fantastic the box cover is fantastic. What was the box cover? It's like it's just like the shadowed over face of Sean, but you don't actually see his face. It's all like a silhouette with the hat on, and then it's got the saboteur written across. But it's like, um, it looks like World War Two propaganda, where it's like the uh, the tea stained paper with the red and the black and the stars, and and like there's a uh, the Eiffel Tower you can see in the background. It's re- that's cool. I, as I say, I did play for a while on that i think i might have liberated an area or so but i had a lot to play at the time and always do <laughs> but it would be a game i'd like to um go back and revisit now my presumption is at the end of the game once you've liberated paris you haven't liberated paris right i mean they they, they don't change history in that you're single-handedly taking out kicking the nazis out of paris or what are you you kind of do but what... <laughs> <coughs> excuse me what uh kind of happens is you have to because it's a boss it's like a it's a boss fight so you have to climb the eiffel tower like shooting nazis as you go and then you get to this one guy who turns out to be a high-ranking nazi official is is one of the is the first antagonist you meet in the game in a bar fight because he's a german stock car racer and when you kill him the color explodes and like eiffel tower is the last line of defense in this game and Mm. then the Nazis are still sort of around, but there's colour everywhere in the city. And then you, if you aim it right, you can jump off the Eiffel Tower, land in a pond and get an achievement. Hey. Which I did. <laughs> <laughs> is this, it's not a Ubisoft game, is it, or is it? Uh, it's Pandemic. Uh, okay. You're an EA the, subsidiary? Yeah, it was the last game developed by Pandemic because EA had a nice habit of closing down studios. And Pandemic, unfortunately, got got given the, the golden boot. But um That's a shame. Uh Saboteur was really good swan, something like that. Hmm. 
No, I must give that background on to it, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it is good. I mean, it's good that the Nazis are still there. Presumably, once the game finishes... That's a weird sentence to say. It's good <laughs> that the Nazis are still there. Um, don't take that out of context. Take yeah, context. <laughs> but, clip it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's good it is in a case of you've actually driven them out of, um, out of Paris entirely. <laughs> like, I think that would be a bit too much. Though, at the same time, if it did end in, like, a boss battle against Hitler, I would also be on board with that. <laughs> Be like Iron Sky 2 where it's zombie Hitler riding a T-Rex. I love that. I've not seen number two. I've seen number one and I can't say it's a good film, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Iron, Skies, Iron Skies is one of my favourite film series for how much of a joke it is. And it, it's just so it's so enjoyable to watch. You say series? Is there more than the two? I think there's a third one in the works. Bloody hell. Oh, bloody hell. I do say bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell. Christ. Crikey. <laughs> You sound, like, you, you sound like Captain Hook from uh, Once Upon a Time, where he's like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> oh, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, so, Riku, bring it. Right. Tell us why we should put Simpsons Hit and Run Through instead of The Saboteur. Okay, so I am not going to talk about the fancy hoity-toity art style of the Simpsons Hit and Run game, because it doesn't have it. It was... The art, um, no, the art style of the, the Simpsons The art style, however, is right. <laughs> one of the, with the exception of the Simpsons game that came out kind of um, for the 360 generation of consoles, um, it was up to that point the best-looking Simpsons game that had been made. Um, all of it, it was all really smoothed out. You didn't kind of have like weird, janky mouth movements that you had in cutscenes in Simpsons Road Rage, which was that dodgy, crazy taxi knockoff you mentioned earlier. Um, and it looked really, really good. And what it did have, which I still remember completely to this day, is a completely and totally batshit crazy storyline that yeah. almost felt like a GTA game kind of watered down to that kind of PG-13 level and it then escalated to zombies and alien invasions as the Simpsons often do. Um, so the kind of the whole gameplay mechanic, it takes place over... Um, seven levels seven different points um throughout the telling of the story in di- in three different areas of springfield um and it's kind of it was a kind of like each level was its own kind of like little mini sandbox it kind of had like a sandy box style thing so you could like you could just do your main missions um but there were also like collectibles you could do uh there were little sidey missions you could do to kind of get collectibles um and there were also kind of like, you know, and the collectibles were like, you know, you could collect Buzz Cola cans, boxes of Buzz Cola cans that you had to drive over, uh, smash wasp cameras, which we'll get to because there's a reason there were wasp cameras in Springfield. Um, and uh, there were also itchy, scratchy cards. And what was really cool is if you were the sort of mildly OCD collectible gamer, which I am quite a lot of the time, um, I'm not going to say how many hours it took me to get all 200 feathers in Assassin's Creed 2 because that's really sad. Um, <laughs> but you uh, were rewarded as a player not with a random cosmetic piece like we often are nowadays or a random piece of armor that's not as good as what we actually get. If you got all 49 Itchy and Scratchy cards in Hit and Run, you were treated to a special, unique episode of Itchy and Scratchy specifically written for the game uh, by the Simpsons TV developers, which was really cool. And as a child, that was really quite, that was like one of the highlights of gaming for me. Um, also, I wasn't allowed to play GTA 3 because my parents were like, you're too young and it's too violent. Um, and there are, you know, polygoned women who were wearing bikinis. So no, you're not allowed. So it was quite nice to be able to play a GTA-like game before I was apparently old enough to play GTA about two or three years later. Um, 
And the storyline is brilliant because it starts off as kind of like, you know, just standard any other day in Springfield. Um, and there's like, a, there's a, a, a horde of robot wasps that kind of come down to the city. Um, and then Bart gets abducted outside of Springfield Stadium with a tractor beam. Um, Lisa tries to look for him and looks for clues. There's like shady black vans and everything. And it all basically all unravels as this giant kind of weird, convoluted, well-written uh, kind of uh, crime drama sort of plot with this kind of really hilarious gameplay of driving around as Homer Simpson and being able to accidentally run over pedestrians or get out of your car and, you know, drop kick someone and then have the police chase you in a completely non-lethal way. Um, where Kang and Kodo is the kind of two main tentacle, but tentacled aliens in The Simpsons are using Buzz Cola to uh, enslave humanity and take over the world um, by turning everyone into a zombie. Um, which is really quite funny and it was completely mental and then you stop them at the end because Professor Frink says, oh, their um, weakness is nuclear radiation so you then have to drive an array of cars into the tractor beam of Kang and Kodos' spaceship to blow it up with nuclear waste um, which is really, really funny and I have very fond memories of it and from a gameplay perspective it was kind of it was meant as a kind of tongue-in-cheek thing. Some of the dialogue in that game is really, really funny. Uh, there's a moment where Bart kind of tries to petition Krusty for help. Um, and Krusty's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I've just uh, donated a free laser gun stand to the Duff Brewery. And then Bart's like, but they're the bad guys. And Krusty's like, oh, I'm going to have to call my lawyers. Um, <laughs> and it just it was really, it's, it is a really, really fun and amusing game. It's really lighthearted in the kind of same way that kind of GTA has that kind of like, you know, obviously there's the kind of grittier crime stuff in GTA, but it's got that kind of that more upbeat campy side. Like, you know, when you're accidentally taking poor tourists to a death cult as Trevor in GTA five. Um, Your definition yeah. of light is, uh, <laughs> is, is a, a bit bizarre worrying. one. Yeah. No, you know, it's a bit of a lot on the light side when you get to yeah. sacrifice people to some cannibals. Wow. <laughs> It was it was a trade was more Trevor's dialogue in that that kind of made it, but yeah, it was <laughs> as a game. It kind of you know it was the first really good proper Simpsons game that had a really good kind of like set of core mechanics, um, and it had a really well written story. And the story and stuff was written in tandem with um, the kind of guys that wrote some of the Simpsons stuff. Not Matt Groening. Matt Groening did kind of um, have some input on the game, not a huge amount. Because uh, it was released um, in 2003, um, so he kind of he was kind of more overlooking the Simpsons TV programs and not doing kind of much of the actual writing and stuff. Um, but he did kind of oversee it, and it kind of used a couple of the writers for the uh, TV show as well. And the comedy was there, and it kind of you know they are you kind of think about animated families, and the Simpsons are kind of more or less at the top of most people's lists. And it was just nice because you know the camera as well. Uh, bearing in mind it was a 2003 playstation 2 gamecube original xbox game where we kind of had we went through this phase of having weird third person camera shenanigans the camera wasn't actually it didn't have very many shenanigan problems um and you know kind of there were there was a really amusing dialogue as well like when you're being you know homer kind of like accidentally triggers the hit and run because he's you know ran over too many people and smashed too many lampposts and blown up some cars uh he gets a hit and run thing that he's kind of he gives live commentary on it things like you know oh, you can't catch me, you dumb pigs. And then he's kind of, there'd be this pause and he goes, oh, I want bacon now. Um, or Marge <laughs> Simpson knocking over a school child and she just shouts out the window, oh, it's fine, just put some salt on the wound. It's like, as a grown-up <laughs> thinking about some of that kind of like, the kind of comments the, that I made, I'm like, oh, that is so bad. The distinct Why would you... line I remember yeah. Simpson, like hit and run, 
is um, oh homie you're so sexy when you're paranoid yeah <laughs> <laughs> things like that it's just like because you know, Homer gets proper into it when you mentioned zombies, you got me thinking. Did Saints Row the Third rip off Simpsons Hit and Run? Because isn't that an entire segment? Of I was going to say the that's third? the whole premise of Saints Row the Third, isn't it? Is this just a rip off of Simpsons Hit and Run? Yeah, <laughs> Saints Row, the game that not only ripped off GTA, <laughs> but they also ripped off the Simpsons Hit and Run with the zombie thing. Because the zombies only appear in the last mission, um, and there was this really difficult mission where you had to go and like you're because every mission's like gta 3 style when you're in the car you've got a timer and you've got to go and collect a certain amount of things or you've got to get to a certain place within a certain time limit um, in the last mission i remember you had to go and collect a load of stuff for mo um he was like oh i've left my chainsaw here and i've left my shotgun there and you have to go drive around springfield pancaking zombies because that didn't actually elevate the hit and run meter weirdly it was quite funny um and I remember as a child really struggling with that and it was just kind of like the payoff when you get all that stuff to Mo was he was he'd already been bitten by a zombie because you oh, no. had a, he was just like oh I seem to have bitten by a zombie thanks for bringing me my chainsaw though and it's like oh that was a little bit oh dear yeah. um, but then at the was end there, of it um... you beat the aliens and everyone goes back to normal when the Simpsons save the day and it's all very kind of you know tongue in cheek um, do the zombies get back to normal uh, yeah, so everyone gets turned back to normal when you beat. Kang so all and the people you've been pancaking. I while, didn't uh, read. Around. I didn't read too much <laughs> into it when I played it. They were zombies at the time. They were a threat. It would be like if someone found a cure for the T virus after they nuked Raccoon City. All of a sudden, all those government <laughs> employees would be like, "Yeesh, we're going to lose our jobs." Um, I just didn't think too much into it. Um, and I have. I'd kind of, you know, I had a PlayStation Two um, back in 2014. I got. I bought one. I know I borrowed one actually from a friend who then just said, oh, I don't want it, you can have it. And I sourced a copy of Hit and Run and played it again as a grown-up and it was still as funny and as kind of, you know, amusing as I remember it being. Although I didn't manage to get all the collectibles as a grown-up, which to this day really angers me still. But yeah, I I would... Uh, yeah, I think Simpsons Hit and Run is one of the best games. And although we're never going to get it, I still hope that we might get a remake one day. It's actually the, uh, I think it's been said by Dan on the show before, it's actually the um, number one game requested for remasters. It is, it's because at it's the moment. such a good game. And yeah, now that we're all kind of older as gamers, we kind of, are, you know, I know that I am literally fingernails on my childhood. Like, just, I just want something from my childhood. <laughs> back. I got it with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm like, if you've done that, do The Simpsons. Um, you know, it just kind of makes me... It just kind of reminds me that I am one of the youngest people on the comedy team. When I hear you guys talking <laughs> about playing The Simpsons Hit and Run, and then two years, three years later, playing Grand Theft Auto, and I'm like, yeah, being old enough to play Grand Theft Auto, and I'm sorry, like I played The Simpsons Hit and Run when I was about nine. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'd have been eleven when it came out. Yeah, you talk about old enough to play Grand Theft Auto as if that meant eighteen. Just old enough to be able to get a copy. Like. Right, right, you just said old enough to play Grand Theft Auto. I, that, my, why can you blame me for my thought immediately going? No, to no, no, the totally understand. Just, <laughs> I'm not thinking about when when we were started playing Grand Theft Auto. I mean, fifteen at a push. I'd say, say. I, think I, I was like fifteen I, years old. I think I played Grand Theft Auto 4 when I was like 14, maybe. Yeah, like, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're younger, so like, 3 came out. I played Grand Theft Auto 2 when that came out. Um, it's not really the same kind of game, though. It's hard to really get too uh, traumatised killing civilians when they're just these little, small, da- splats of blood. When I was younger, my dad let me play Vice City. But mm. I was given very Wait. strict instructions 
that all I was allowed to do was drive around and have fun in the cars. I wasn't allowed to do any of the story missions because my dad was like, you are not, I am not going to explain what the whole Scarface references and the drug lord thing is in this game. So you do not do a story mission. You can just have fun driving around the map. Um, and I had loads of fun. I, I went on to game FAQ. I downloaded the cheats for the tank and just had fun driving around Vice City, blowing up tanks and stuff. Um, See, if if his idea was to try and keep you protected by telling you to just have fun in the car, he's obviously not aware of the mechanic that you can pull up to a streetwalker and have them climb in your car. I didn't understand any of that. <laughs> I was quite a naive child. As a grown-up, I now just go, way prostitutes. As a child, I was just kind of like, naked lady. <laughs> didn't actually know that you could actually... That's just um... a car rocking. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Your health growing up. Just... They need to adjust the suspension in this car. It's going here, way, man. Yeah, it's got really... <laughs> they need to fix the demons the as well. It's gone really misty. <laughs> as if Vice City had any ability to to, to portray mist oh, on a car no, it was window. Just, it was just up and down on the suspension, maybe with the lights blinking a little bit. I like the um, fact that they made your health go up, but you're pretty sure you're more likely to end up. The long term effects of that would make your health go down drastically. <laughs> That'd be a great mechanic in the game if it gives you a health boost, but then you know three weeks later in game time, your character just dies. If you're, listening, why. if you're listening, Rockstar Games, um, that is a mechanic <laughs> we would like in GTA 6. Oh, come on, as if GTA 6 is ever happening. They've I already announced that they're working on it. They have, yeah. It's probably going to be Vice City by the looks of things. We actually have an article on it on our site um, with some of the rumours, but yeah, I'm sure they're still going to be able to milk at least a, a lot more out of GTA 5 before they drop GTA 6. I was just thinking there when you mentioned mechanics, there's a one of the other things I want to mention about the saboteur, just so you consider it before you go with Riku's probably more better phrased speech um, <laughs> on the Simpsons, is that um, it is similar to Assassin's Creed because uh, you know you can scale buildings like say Ezio and all that stuff. However, it does disguising better than Assassin's Creed does because you know, like how you can disguise yourself in, say, like groups of uh, courtesans or monks. monks or anything like that. Or sitting on a bench. Yeah. Right. So you know, no one's gonna apparently not gonna notice that uh, that six foot tall, muscle bound hero wearing blood soaked blo- robes, blood soaked robes, <laughs> all in white, next to two people, several knives and, and yeah. No one's gonna notice that. But what they do in the saboteur is that if you knock out a Nazi you can take their clothes and you can mm. walk around wearing like the Nazi uniform to get past places, but you can't be around them too much because they will re- look at you and recognize that you are not a Nazi. And then that's the thing, but it's like kind of the fact that you can do that and there is a consequence if you abuse it too much. It's, I think that was done really well. And What's the consequence out of interest of abusing it too much? Uh, well, just that they, they recognize you quicker. They, they re- well, it's not that they use it too much. It's just like if you, because it's a mechanic that you can use to sneak past guards, but like you can't look at them directly because they will recognize mm. your face as not an Nazi operative. And then when you walk, that might be a bit ahead of its time. Because I mean, even in that Ubisoft game, Watch Dogs, I was talking about earlier, you have that as a mechanic. Like you dress up a certain uh, as the uh, bad guy cops. And you can walk by him, but obviously you get too close. And I've seen it in other games since, but I don't remember when the first game had it. I just, I just like to imagine that the reason it doesn't work is because the Nazis would walk up to your Irishman and they go, Vostar and Das Papieren, and your guy goes, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the Germans are like, hang on a minute. 
like you use it in a you use it in a story mission i think as well where like you were in, it's how the mechanics introduced and he, like sean can speak german but um hmm. like if you sort of like sneak past like guards in general too much they'll like they'll notice you and then they will just immediately get like give you like you know the the one star alert the red alert kind of thing and they'll just send out people after you and I don't know. It's like an, it's. They just a, recognize the lack of hate in your eyes. Yeah, they rec- they recognize you by the smell of Guinness to be a stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> and the but, sprouting ginger beard. Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, um, it's it's like a the saboteur is like a happy medium between Grand Theft Auto and Assassin's Creed, and I think that's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> Except you know you're a, you 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 take the heroics, and the wall climbing from Assassin's Creed and you take everything else from Grand Theft Auto with destructible yeah, well, environments. I mean, you're destroying, uh, you're, you're presumably just destroying Nazis. Like You're not gunning down, or can you gun down per- Parisians? You can, but it has world, it has negative consequences. Because if you mm. do it too much, then the Parisians won't trust you either. But if you treat them well, they will interfere with Nazis so you can escape if needs be. That sounds so, awesome. Yeah, it does sound good. It's also going to be hard for like uh, for a lot of British people to be playing that, knowing knowing you're in Paris with the opportunity. <laughs> and I suppose it's just you, you've you've got that thing of like, what do I dislike more, the the, the French, the, the French, Parisians, the, or the Germans? The like, I guess that's your balance there. <laughs> you, I'm glad the only you, way to inspire I'm, you not to. I'm very glad you down. said Germans instead of Nazis there, because there was a distinct obvious answer if you said that. <laughs> what do I hate more, the well French or the Nazis? <laughs> oh, it's a hard choice. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love the French. Je adore les Français. Yeah, um, but no, like the the people of Paris will actually uh, assist you if, like, you were escaping Nazis. They will they will just grab hold of them, so you can run away and hide. Uh, That's brave like, for them, the frankly, grabbing hold of a Nazi and holding yeah, them back. But there's like, it's all really cool. Um, like the friendship between uh, Sean and Skylar is really good. Skylar's like the love interest, I say in inverted commas. But like, mm. um, the it it's just a really cool game that has like quite interesting mechanics. Obviously, it's got its flaws. There's no game without flaw, but it's like, yeah, that the mechanical implementation of that is really clever. How's the narrative on this? Because of I'm getting a lot of a feel for the uh, the gameplay of it. But what's the other than you know you are taking out the Nazis, which is always a good narrative, like you know traditionally speaking. But what's the particular narrative of our uh, character here? What's his arc? It's more that he's because he's he's a stock car racer that is taking revenge on a particular Nazi for killing his friend okay. and wrecking his car, and then it's that of the you joining the French resistance and helping them by blowing up. Nazi watchtowers or zeppelins and things like that, and mm. just helping liberate Paris and then disappearing again into the shadows, like the thankless hero narrative, I suppose would be the term. But at the same time, that the arc is pretty much we're going to drive the Nazis out of Paris. Also, there's some racing, like you can race in the stock cars. Oh, that's is it required? Cool. Sometimes it is. Like for some missions, you have to, but you don't always have to. Is it hard? Because this is one thing. Like, I know, like uh, some GTAs, they have a racing mission, and you have to do it. And it's like, in fact, go for Vice City, the one with the um, getaway driver, to get him. 
on boards and you had to beat him at a race to get him to join in your little bank robbing club or whatever. And that was hell, frankly. You um, couldn't just shoot him because of all the other races, you can just get out and start rocketing your opponents and and they have no problem with it. But because that's a story mission and, you know, obviously you don't want to just kill that guy, it games over. Well, it fails if you uh, just blow him up. So, yeah, how's the saboteur for that? Are they, uh, are they easy enough to win? From memory, I don't think I ever lost a race like more than two or three times and and that was largely because I a, I made like a big mistake and swerved out early like you can in any racing game hmm. outside of like um outside of the regu- like the driving mechanics in games but um and some one of the times I just genuinely lost because I was terrible at it and then I, like the first I think the one of the first things you do in the game is you are in a stock car race with this German guy who turns out to be a high, a high ranking Nazi, and mm. and it, it's one of those ones where it's like, well, if you win, you get your car wrecked. If you lose, you get your car wrecked. So you, it doesn't matter really what happens. But okay, so there's no requirement to win these. No, That's I, good. I, I mean, just because I was worried to get Balgim, you know, put off by an impassable mission, but, but I think I'm not that I bad. I think you get more money if you win, though, because like you do have to buy guns and stuff from arms dealers. In the, in the okay. French resistance. See, this is probably harder, harder. Sorry, more hard of a decision than you would expect. Because of, on the one hand, I think the saboteurs game. I'm kind of more interested in revisiting and playing. And you know, killing Nazis is this gold. Everyone loves doing that. But then the Simpsons. I am a sucker for Simpsons humor. Like I win. You know, watched it as a kid. Liked it then then became a sort of cynical teenager and didn't like it. But now I'm an adult and enjoy dad jokes and such. So like going back and watching the Simpsons now, very much still a fan. So a game where I get to do that. What what about, I mean, there's no guns, there's no shooting in terms of like running around the streets and fighting. How's it actually feel to play? Um, It's it's all right. It's relatively responsive. You've got, you know, standard three. I mean, you've obviously, you've got no guns and stuff. It's a Simpsons game. You've got no fatalities. No one dies. Um, or at least the game tells you no one dies when you pancake a child at like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> it's a bit hard to believe that no one dies, but I just decided to go, it's the Simpsons, it's fine, they can get hit by cars at that speed, it's fine. Well, they um, roll over and wave their arms in a panic dawn there. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. There's lots of rolling on the floor and stuff. Um, yeah, so you kind of you can't die, um, but like the combat and stuff is like, it's I say combat, you literally walk down the street and you can just like, you know, lamp someone in the face. Mm. Which is quite amusing, which especially. Which is always fun. Which it is always fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, kind of, at the risk of losing, that the combat is a little bit kind of the outside of the Janky. car stuff. The outside of the car stuff is fine, uh, but like the punching things is a little bit kind of. It just feels a bit laboured, but it is still quite fun. Um, you know, to just kind of walk around and stuff, and like you know, as Bart Simpson to just kind of like punch a trash can over um which feels very in character from the stuff it is yeah hmm. the, the combat is the combat is okay i would say i i say combat there's not a lot of actual <laughs> combat um the walking around and punching people is fun um and the way it works is okay um it's not like it's not huge it's not a massively huge part of the game but it's just it's there as kind I think of a, i think a point in favor of the simpsons though like because uh, I'm agreeing with you that the combat isn't the thing in The Simpsons, but like, um, 
they got the driving mechanics really well done. And it's like, if you get one thing that's the core point of the game, really well done, everything else is secondary and you can kind of forgive it a bit more. So I agree with you on that standpoint. They got the, everything outside of the car isn't amazing, but like the car stuff is great. The car stuff is, and the story's really, really good. And yeah. Although to be fair, I, I kind of, the saboteur has kind of popped up a few times on my kind of like, do I, don't I play it? But I'm kind of, I feel enthused to play it now. Uh, I was going to say, like, when I, I was doing game design at university for my third stint at university, uh, we had to make a board game, and before I found out how bloody impossible it was to even attempt to recreate the art style myself, I was going to do a board game based on the saboteur about um, trading and contraband and things like that. Because hmm. that's, like, one of the things you do. I mean, that sounds like something we should definitely... You should, you should make happen as a board game and we can play, but, uh, yeah, it probably doesn't win points for the saboteur. <laughs> The game. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a tidbit for yeah. my life. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared. Let's, let's make it into a game. Let's play. Okay, Call it something fine. else. The uh, hmm, something so, you won't get sued from. Then again, pandemic are closed. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, but EA aren't. <laughs> I was going to say EA have a lot of lawyers. Uh, they don't seem spiteful at all. They would. They'll be fine with it. I'm EA, sure. they are fine. <laughs> Best game company. Since the I hear that Ryan. year after year they win the best game company competition, not worst game company. Yeah. Oh, this is this is actually a challenge because I genuinely think I think I would prefer to play the saboteur. The problem is the saboteur does have a lot of kind of similarities with Assassin's Creed sandboxes, and like there is already a metric f ton of those kind of games. Not there already is there has subsequently been and was. Um, though it's still probably the game out of these two I'm more likely to go ahead and play, but. This isn't just about me. This is about trying to find the best game. The Simpsons will have a sense of humour in it, which I'll very much enjoy. It is wanted as the most wanted remaster. I think I'll probably have to give this one to The Simpsons through to the next round. Uh, I am very, very resident of saying that because I know for full well I would prefer The Saboteur. I just think in terms of a uniqueness... And say a impact on kind of gaming, the the comedy elements as well, and a story that involves zombies um, oh, showing right, up okay. in aliens. And aliens, like and I big mean, government conspiracies. You know, you name. There's it, a few things this. that kind of play Dead Rising if I you can't. want that. <laughs> <laughs> as I say, I'm entirely going to go and play the Saboteur. I'm not going to go play the Simpsons. I don't think like that will probably hold up that well. But in terms of maybe lasting impact and, you know, the impressions it's made on people. I've learned the fighting, which sounds shithouse. I think maybe that might pull it. I There is a potential that if I had actually played that game and I thought it was shit, <laughs> that I'm going to win. But I think I've just got to be a little bit more decisive because in my mind I'm like, I, I can't decide. But that's what I'm here for. I'm here to decide. Counterpoint. So, <laughs> Counterpoint. You're saying about like it's like the open worldy sandbox Assassin's Creed style game. You can't really hold that against it when they weren't ten a penny back then. This is like 2009, no. so like there's only been two Assassin's Creed games by that point. But so. there's also been GTA games, <laughs> yeah. which it very much is kind of in the same vein of like in terms of gunning down civilians. Like, I, I want to gun down Parisians as much as the <laughs> next. <laughs> Person, but indiscriminate killings of Nazis and Parisians. <laughs> should I the, maybe bleep that out? So maybe might be mm. worth bleeping that. Yeah, let's get rid of, get rid of that. <laughs> I'm not being welcomed in Paris anymore. That's for sure, and it's a shame. Desolé, French. 
that's all there. Um, oh, fuck, I think I've, got, I've just got to stick with my decision, even though I don't like it. Yes. <laughs> I think, I mean, Bandit, you, you think there's good thing. You like the Simpsons hit and run as well, yes? Yeah, I do. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I just think yeah, you're objectively yeah, wrong. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad game, but I just think the Saboteur's better. Yeah, I think no. the Saboteur's a better game. I think it's just a more well-designed game, but... It- it's, it's obviously it's up to you at the end of the day I won't begrudge, it is I'm, but I don't want it to be you know I like <laughs> you made very good arguments for well, why don't you mm. why don't you put it to the vote then when we share this on Twitter or YouTube put it in put it to vote so just say that these are our thoughts this is your thought what do you think and then have a poll saying oh X amount of people think Saboteur, X amount of people actually no don't because then the Simpsons didn't run a win more. The Simpsons didn't <laughs> run say, the, say the most requested the remaster. I'm gonna I'm gonna make seventeen million different accounts to get the remaster of the Saboteur. <laughs> <laughs> just for that. <laughs> I won't even need to make those accounts. People will just see that hashtag and be like, vote for it. <laughs> you you generally underestimate how petty I am with that. <laughs> <laughs> see also, right. The thing is about doing a poll, and I intend to, because I kind of want to find out what people's uh, opinions on or on these, uh, you know, these mashups would be, or not mashups, sorry, these competitions. But I'm still the one making the decision, so fuck them. <laughs> Even <laughs> if they go the opposite way to my decision. But I gotta say, we'll I like, I, I think it's just the humour. Uh, the humour makes it kind of flow for the Simpsons and potentially, I was about to say originality, but hang on, it just fucking knocked off it's, GTA. It's the Sim- it's the Simpsons. It's not original. <laughs> I was just saying, no, it, did, well, I mean, it very epically knocked off GTA 3. But you said zombies and aliens. Why am I voting? You're really swaying, turning me around on this, actually. Hmm. But if, you, I if you're going to judge the saboteur for the abundance of uh, yeah, like Assassin's yeah. Creed open world, you have to judge the Simpsons based on the abundance of zombie games. Riku. Give me another argument to make me think that Simpsons <laughs> is the preference. I wasn't trying to swear you, I was just making a point. No, yeah, but you have. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to hold it to account on the fact that the uh, the Saboteur is a bit of a, you know, there's a lot of those games, when Simpsons, other than being the Simpsons, is essentially a knockoff of GTA, I'm intrigued now. I need to uh, give me another reason, and we'll find out just how indecisive I am. Um, you on, I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just I'm sitting here slowly seething with rage. Um, <laughs> to sway you, I am going to say that every, the entirety of the story, and the dialogue, the jokes, everything was written by the actual writers of The Simpsons themselves. So every point, every part of this game wasn't kind of like EA when they ripped off Crazy Taxi, kind of going, look, we've made a Simpsons game and just taking another game and kind of like, you know, slapping a badge on it. The, yes, it is basically GTA 3 from a mechanics and gameplay perspective, just without the guns and the death. Um, But from a story and narrative perspective, everything in that game was built by the people that were working on The Simpsons at the time. Um, I don't know if that Which might not sway you because 20th Century Fox were also heavily involved in its development, which probably works against it. It, Um, What works against it as well is it's 2000 Simpsons writers and not 1990s Simpsons writers. Like, Conan O'Brien had already left by that point. Conan O'Brien had already left by that point. Yeah, alright. Don't stop trying to win points. (laughs) 
Strong I like Simpsons. Okay, I like fine. Simpsons Hit and Run. I genuinely Do you know what I'm going to say? And this will swear you. Yes, there are collectibles, but there are not hundreds of them. There is a very specific amount in each level, and it then doesn't turn into a, you know, 23-hour hunt for a feather of font. Um, also, there are side races as well, and obviously, we're like the game uh, from a gameplay no, perspective. The, no, driving, see, the see, driving stuff is the races. best thing about that game. And there are these cool little side races where you've got all of the Simpsons cars driving different cars and stuff, and it's really quite amusing. So, yeah, I am going to rest my argument there, and I will um, never ever speak to either of you again if I lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Riku. <laughs> We, we still have a lot of work to do on that article we were writing. We do need to work on that article. I've done a lot of research as well. <laughs> I've, done some, I've done some research. We need to talk to Lazy Cat as well about it. Yes. That is a shame, because there's a good chance you might never speak to him again, because of... Um, I don't know if The Simpsons can pull me over. I'm not even sure why I'd pick that in the first place now, the more you spoke about it. Just, I think the realisation that it is a knockoff of GTA. I'm torn. I am torn. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and piss off as many people as I can. Um, But not all the people that want the remaster. I'm going to have to go with the first thing I said. Regardless of the fact that I think the Saboteur, to me, is a preferable game. I think Impact has to count for something. And I think Simpsons Hit Run did do so. Yeah. Oh, God. It feels bad to kick someone out. Can't it just be football when it's all on them? All on them to score the goals? You can you can write your own D and D campaign now. <laughs> <laughs> hey Riku, sorry, but uh, the saboteur went and won that one just by a marginal. <laughs> uh, no, I sorry, I've got to stick with my on the tenth. Oh You include this afterwards admission to say that you saying you're going with the Simpsons, even though you said you want to play the saboteur more. <laughs> Oh, no, all this is staying in. Yes, I personally think The Saboteur is a game more built for me, but I also know that I am a sucker for any kind of Ubisoft Assassin's Creed and will happily play hundreds of hours worth of that collecting bullshit and just going around an open sandbox. Um, Simpsons is going to have to get it for the writing, for, for the jokes, for the writing, for the uh, cultural impact and the fact that everyone seems to fucking want it. It's going to have to go through the next round. And I'm almost actually a bit regretting that just on the fact that I think it would piss more people off if I did kick The Simpsons out. It would entirely. Probably, yeah. Mm. It's alright, you can kick them out next round when they go up against something else. Yeah, because I'm going to argue against The Simpsons again. I don't know. I don't care what happens here. I'm arguing against it again. (laughs) Hey, hey, I did say don't pick the game you're super passionate about because there's a 50 50 chance it's out of here. I mean, every game I put in there that I submitted is one. It's something I'm passionate about, and so, that, okay. that's what makes it a debate. Because if I did, if it was half fast about yeah, the game, it yeah. wouldn't make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I say, I'm going to go play the saboteur. I'm not going to go play Simpsons Hit and Run, but it was. It's, it's, I'm going to stick with whatever my gut instinct originally was, and go with the Simpsons Hit and Run. Plus, yeah, it'll be pretty easy to kick out. I want to, I want to look up some gameplay of this though and see what some of this aliens and zombies bits is because this, uh, you know, it does sound interesting. It does sound like it has a good narrative. If I find out, I've been lied to. No, the and narrative it was just really zombies good. jumped in. <laughs> it was really well but written not- in the standard Simpsons, well, the naughty Simpsons way, where I say really well written. It was well written for. Hey, I like the Simpsons throughout. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll happily say that. Okay, no, that no. 
Simpsons, <laughs> Simpsons now is not as good as Simpsons then. Man, I was there then. I, I'm old. I'm, I, I was there at the beginning. It was alright, but yeah. like, you know, Sim- it's Simpsons still good. back then was great. I still have the DVDs of Simpsons from the 90s. Uh, I had a, I've got somewhere at my Since. parents' loft, I have VHSs. That's how fucking old we're going here. I have I, VHS I, tapes I tell you what, of I have, The Simpsons. I have legendary milestones of The Simpsons, and it's a VHS. And it's got the... It's got like the most viewed the most viewed episode, which at the time was Bart gets an F. It's got the one hundredth episode. It's got the two hundredth episode, and then it's got Maggie's first word. Yeah, and that was the VHS. And I was like, "All right, so you're going to get Elizabeth Taylor to say two words from a character who hasn't spoken before or since." Yep. Because <laughs> like even to the do it clever, the Simpsons is clever. I respect your decision to give it to the Simpsons based on writing. But I think you've made a mistake. Thank you. I, I, I respect your decision. I think so wrong. too. But <laughs> but it is a mistake I'm going to have to live with. And that's all there is to it. Dictatorship. Hurrah. I'm really, really glad I didn't choose Kingdom Hearts 3, the Kingdom Hearts franchise, because I would be very salty right now. Just saying, I would have definitely kicked out the Kingdom Hearts franchise against the Saboteur. <laughs> why I'm so, glad I didn't pick it. Am I feeling that the that, Saboteur would have won any other matchup? <laughs> maybe. I really like the idea of that game and shooting Nazis, as I say, is always good. <laughs> Should we do um, a loser's bracket after this, after the, uh, after the first World Cup? As in, like, everyone at Lost in the rounds go up and against each other? Yeah, do a loser's bracket. Yeah, fuck it. More content. More <laughs> I like to see. <laughs> so yeah, sounds good. So that means we get to talk about the saboteur more, which is good because I, I I'm feeling so bad. I'm like, oh man, should I go playlist and write a review just so I can? I feel like I'm appeasing that game that has no sentiment, sentient feelings, but like, I feel like I've upset. So yeah, I'm not happy about it. But the Simpsons wins. Hit and run, victory. The Simpsons. Ding ding ding. Are you gonna Woo. have a graphic where the Simpsons hit and run kicks the saboteur off the screen? I wasn't. You got to stop mentioning like these sort of like uh, what you're seeing on screen because of a lot of these. I'm thinking of just getting rid of a lot of the video and just having an image up because frankly, it's more effort. It's too much effort to edit <laughs> when I've got so many things to edit. But um, but we'll see. Maybe we are we are trying to move into that YouTube zone. So you know, maybe well, if I can figure have, out how to do it, we will have an absolute fuck ton of YouTube content in two weeks' time when we all spend vast volumes of our Saturday and for some of us the wee hours of Sunday morning streaming Uh, yes of course bring us on to the next point so we are doing a charity stream Um, not oh it will be sorry this will be coming out Sunday if I'm doing my job properly so this will be coming out next Next week, on the 10th of July, we're doing a charity stream to help Millen Cancer support. A whole bunch of us commies will be doing so in shifts, because, um, frankly, I didn't realise I was signing up to a 24-hour show. <laughs> so uh, we'll be doing it in turns, passing the buck on to one another with raids. Bandit, our you know, experienced streamer, will be teaching me, hopefully, how to do all that stuff, because I'll feel like such an old man as he explains to me what a raid was in the first place, and now I'm going to have to have explained to me how to do it. Um, we've got this weekend the, in fact, if you listen to this on day of release right now, I am stood at Medway Rapture Gaming Festival. Uh, so we'll be there. Our presence will be there recording a few interviews and taking a few, uh, photos and such for articles. And we'll be talking about that on next week's The Gaming Manifesto. 
along with uh, Dan and Nathan, who are joining me at the show. Um, what else we got on, guys? Anything else? Um, Anything specifically banned that you may want to talk about relating to, uh, say, podcasts you may also be in? Uh, yes, myself and Holly, we run, I say we run, we host the Red Scares podcast, which is a comedy podcast all about horror and all the things that scare us, mostly scare Holly. Uh, <laughs> also scared Callie once. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm up for being scared more times. I'll be on there. And talking about that, um, where else can we catch us? We can catch us on Twitter. <laughs> yes, where else can we catch you? So on Twitter, uh, if you want to go ahead with your, ha- your tags, your handles. Uh, so yeah, at Banderking UK on Twitter or the Banderking UK on Twitch. I stream D&D content and I do D&D help for players and DMs who want to improve on their writing. And then I Wicked, also... I actually caught a uh, interview you were doing with... Oh, with Jody, Depend- Nerdy Northerners, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. You're talking about some, uh, what's it called? Bad guys? Bad guys? Yes, Enemies? So... The sort of like motivations and the writing of bad guys, which I found quite interesting. Yeah, um, pretty much. I got, I got asked to go on and talk about uh, horror and villains in tabletop games, like specifically D&D, because that's the game that we, myself and Zach the Horse, both play at a professional level. And um, I got asked to go on and give what they called like a masterclass on it, which was really, I felt really honored to do that because I, I never thought of myself as a master or something, but like every time people have asked me about villains, it's been something I've known just a lot about. And I did a talk on villains on stream once and I keep having to reference back to it because I had to do it again on Monday when someone new joined the stream and asked how to write villains. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, two minutes. Let me get me, let me get me PowerPoint back up. <laughs> <laughs> so Love that's, it. that's, that's pretty much what I do. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of writer's help for tabletop games. And that's why we're also very honored that you'll be being our DM this Friday when we're doing some recording. So in the coming month, probably towards the end of July, you should be seeing us commies doing a uh, D&D on YouTube, um, episodic adventure, but you'll find more details of that coming out on our Twitch. No, not Twitch, on our Twitter soon. And uh, where can we find you, Riku? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Riku underscore knocked. Um, and hopefully at some point in the next couple of weeks, and definitely during the charity live stream, I will also be on Twitch at Riku knocked as well where I intend to be playing quite possibly Bloodborne for as many hours as I can before I rage quit and have to play something slightly less severely horrifying. So like one hour before rage quit? I... <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, to be fair, like the last time I played that game, I sat down and played an hour and then had to stop and then went go back to it the next day and play another hour and slowly get the floor wiped with my entrails as I got stomped by every boss that I went up against, which was a grand total of one. The, the I killed... stands for re. <laughs> it, it does. Just, <laughs> just rip, actually. I had to drop the P and just put a KU so people wouldn't un- would, you know, <laughs> be, less, be less sus. Um, but yes, yeah, so, and I might be streaming, so after the charity live stream, I might do a weekly stream of my trials and tribulations in the horrifying world of Yarnum as I play through the joys that is Bloodborne. Excellent. Um, you can find everyone's Twitches just at the bottom in the comments here or on our website on the Twitch page. 
Um, as I say, we've also got Red Sun, the comic book podcast hosted by Dan and T. That will be available every Thursday. The Red Scare, that's uh, with, as, as he has said, uh, Bander and Holly, and that will be every Tuesday going forward, and it's very awesome. I just finished editing that, and I'm absolutely loving doing so. It's great not being on the podcast, to be honest. When I get to actually edit it, it's not something I've already heard. Loving it. <laughs> well. um, and for everything else, yeah, just check us out at uh, Gamer Commie for Twitter, Commie Gamer everywhere else, and of course, CommieGamer.com. Dos Vidania. Dos Vidania. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.